0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Sequelizers. This, as always, is the show about fixing bad sequels to good movies. And as always, I am your host, Mr. Jack Chambers. Joining me, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to my Magneto, (laughs) Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hey. Timothy Matem. Hello. Alexander Hamish Plowman. Second best, don't cut it, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) If you hadn't already guessed, there's some From little... my hey. <laughs> <laughs> Matt was the big clue there.
1: Hey. Hey. <laughs> Matt's Famous the... quote. <laughs> Spot on Hugh Jackman <laughs> yeah
2: That's what happens when uh, she steps out of the lake and and psychopaths just stand there and she goes, hey. hey. <laughs>
1: Sup. 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 <laughs> I thought you me? were dead. Hey. now I'm Phoenix, mate.
0: <laughs> That's the big clue right there, if I hadn't really hinted at it. In this episode, we're desperately trying to fix... X-Men The Last Stand from 2006. Uh, much, <laughs> much, much requested. Mm. And yeah, considering Dark Phoenix is recently released in cinemas. Mm. And was also shit. Yeah. Matthew, you reviewed Dark Phoenix. And Tim, you've seen Dark Phoenix as well, right? I have, yes. What, what, before we get to Last Stand... What did you think of Dark Phoenix? Does it improve on Last Stand? <laughs> it,
3: it is, um, it is a better telling of the Phoenix story. Oh, okay. And it is a more coherent film. Yeah, I, love, I think I'm, so like, car- I've never doing...
0: seen Tim so carefully choose his words. <laughs> it's a more coherent. <laughs> Cut to a Bill? future
2: court, and Tim is saying this playback, and he's shaking his head, saying, "I didn't know what I was saying. I, I'm sorry,
0: <laughs> Mister Mateum. Do you stand by your previous accusations?"
3: Um, but it is less fun, uh, and they are both oh. terrible. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> less say less fun and both
2: terrible. <laughs> uh, Dark Phoenix, this new version, doesn't have the disadvantage of trying to tell two very distinct stories at the mm. same time. But the story that it is trying to tell is shit. <laughs> and the fact that Kinberg wrote Last Stand and then got to write, produce, and direct this, and made a lot of the same mistakes that people moaned about with Last Stand, and said, "Oh, we don't like these things." Don't worry, I'm bringing them all back. No, you didn't hear me. We don't like
0: these. Who things. keeps giving Simon Kinberg the job? Uh, this is what's this happened. A, what's a real going on?
3: question because so he's done a bunch. He's done a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> probably. probably probably with the right people yeah he's done a bunch of X-Men films he's done a bunch of other films writing and producing this is his first directing his next di- direct- directorial job is uh, the spy action thriller that Jessica Chastain is making uh, with a bunch of other women and she insisted on having him and after seeing like, she gets nothing to do in Dark Phoenix. I didn't
0: even know she was in it.
3: She she is the main bad guy. Fuck yeah. Uh, and it is a nothing role. And yeah. how she came away from that experience and was like, oh yeah, I want to work with him again.
2: I think it's because maybe what was ended up on the cutting room floor from the multiple mm. rewrites was like, that was good. Yeah. Until mm. we had to give it back.
1: What I found interesting... Um, I read an interview with him recently where he was like yeah this is on me like literally everything that's wrong with this film and it's underwhelming box office is my performance my bad damn right which yeah. is uh that's fresh that's well pretty, yeah
3: when you're writer director and producer you do kind of have to <laughs> I hold guess your you hand have hand to you. yeah it's, it's somebody's
0: lying. fault and I guess it's the mm. writer oh shit it's, the director was shit that's me as well <laughs> um Blame the British. Fuck, bollocks. That's me as well.
3: Like, all the all the actors in it are doing their best. They, they are, just they have are. terrible material I feel like to that's been with. true
0: for this generation of ex-characters. Like, Apocalypse <sighs> is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, there are moments where, like, oh, Oscar Isaac is trying to be
1: good, but he's Ivan Ooze and he's not allowed to. <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a shame because this... X Men reboot franchise started off rather promising. I really like first, class. Yeah. first yeah. Class, yeah, first class. First class is great. Past. I really like Days of Future Past. I like
3: I stand apart from the crowd there because I don't like first class. Oh, and it's Tim is the you're a fascist. <laughs> Tim
0: is the expert, if you will. It's true. around yes. here he is the most qualified X Men
1: person I think mm. I've probably ever met, and <laughs> I literally know people who podcast about X Men. <laughs> Going back in time a bit to another. Drek X Men, Drek's Men, if you will. Oh, um, yeah. so yeah. What what wrong with the Last Stand? Many things wrong. Yeah, lots so of many lots things of wrong. things. I'll I'll start with
0: a positive. Some of the action scenes are quite nicely shot and well done and stuff. And then then none of them make any like narrative sense and no. don't connect at all. And it's like, oh, cool, he can fly a bridge and stuff. Which he's done in the comics. Like that's a cool scene. It's yeah, a cool it idea. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't do anything.
2: No, at the time it was the most expensive film ever made. I think. So yep, like. and it was, yeah, and that shows in the effects. Some of them really hold up. Two hundred
0: and ten million dollar budget, yeah. which was yeah the most expensive at the time. I also
2: maintain the music really good. John Powell's score is really yes, impressive. I would agree, and I yeah. think that's where we sort of end with the good yeah. stuff.
0: I mean, even like the stuff you get, like Juggernaut and Kitty Pride and that whole like her warping through the wall, yeah. and him just blasting through. It looks really cool,
1: mm. and then you get the meme. As I see it, with uh, the Last Stand. There are a couple of major issues here, um, and it does suffer from some. It's got its own unique issues, but some of them are pretty standard, threequel fair. I think in terms of what Jack was talking about with the set pieces, you've got this issue that they're really trying to up the ante. Absolutely, so that yes. That feeling I totally of agree. this is the finale, although it's sort of not. I'll come on to that in a minute. But <laughs> I think that the problem is that all of the the first two X-Men films are very good at balancing those set pieces with emotional investment. Because if you read X-Men comics, you realize it's a bit like superhero soap opera. Mm. And you have to get... Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to get those elements in there. You have to get that dr- those dramatic elements in there. And this is the first film in the series where they just park those bits while mm. all of the spinning set pieces are happening. And then have to squeeze them in every so often. But its other problem is it's got far too many characters. Mm. I think with um, the thing with uh, The Last Stand is that it tries to... I think there's a lot of fan service in there where they're like, we have to get in as many mutants hey, as look, possible. Hey, look, it's the, it's the yeah. guy
0: from that one issue. Isn't that cool? Yeah, Beast yeah He says like, stars like,
2: and garters because that's what we want to hear. Oh, my stars mm-hmm. and garters, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, Juggernaut
1: Bitch yeah, is another yeah, example yeah. of that. Yeah. I'm like, mm. I did the thing. And it's... So essentially, the first X-Men film like introduces Wolverine and Rogue as the main characters, mm-hmm. and then doesn't really do much in the way of expanding on the other X-Men in the second film. So it'd be nice, for example, in the third film, you need to resolve Wolverine <coughs> and Rogue's respective arcs across the trilogy, but it'd be nice to get more of Storm and Cyclops. Would you get and... more
0: Storm in this because James Marston had... Like scheduling conflicts, and he was supposed to be like a really integral part. And they're like, No, we need to kill him off really early. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, Brian so that's... Singer and Superman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Brian Singer going to Superman Returns. Um, and you get Storm steps up as like the new leader of the X Men. Basically, because Halle Berry wanted to come back, but would only come back if she got a certain amount of screen time, from what I understand.
1: But but it's token. There's not much. I totally agree. I'm not saying it fixes the problem.
0: I'm just saying it happened and it didn't fucking work because it's it's just, there you go,
1: Halle, have fun. You're crap, but carry on. Storm's there, but they don't actually know what to do with Storm. So she shows up, and then it's like, we've got more of Storm. Doing Storm stuff, I guess. What do we do with Storm again? She yeah. spins really around really fast yet. in this one. Yeah. Oh,
0: God.
3: Yeah, the, the the X-Men films have consistently not known what to do with Storm, that's which true. is a shame because Halle Berry is a good actress. She's not good in these, but I think that's because she's not getting given the good material. Yeah. The
0: accent thing just annoys yeah. me every time. <laughs> yeah. Either um, have one or don't. I don't care. Yeah. Just pick one and stick with it.
3: And I think, uh, like you said, X2 did an incredible job of balancing the characters and making so that pretty much everyone in that film gets an arc like they 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 at least start the film somewhere and end it somewhere different and we see them move from one to the other and this film like introduces a bunch more characters and doesn't even serve the characters that we already have with interesting well, arcs
1: and in fact kills one of them off really unceremoniously yes and i'm not against which one i was like yeah, well, <laughs> <one> <laughs> But it kills two it, of them off really unceremoniously. but i mean i i think cyclops is the worst oh right. movie, yeah, yeah. Swept i think the carpet completely
3: especially if you're trying to tell a phoenix story yes like, because any any story that's the heart of it. it's yeah it should be about it should be first about gene Like and then secondary about Gene and Cyclops.
1: So I guess in that sense, the next thing is we need to talk about Phoenix because that's a fairly major issue with this film Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it's doing two stories, firstly. It's doing Mm. Phoenix and it's doing The Cure. Mm. Uh, Interestingly, uh, I found out the other day, Fox didn't want to do the Phoenix story. They wanted the cure one. They wanted, they, wanted yeah. the, the cure, cure yeah, correct. And weirdly, for studio executives, normally studio executive meddling is a is a bad sign. Their rationale here seems entirely sensible. Yeah. So Bloody this is, hell. <laughs> this is this is from the last stand wiki. This is uh the writers had to fight Fox's executives to retain the Phoenix plot, as the studio only wanted the cure story, as it provided a reason for Magneto's conflict with the X-Men. Fair enough. Makes Still, sense so far. the disputes made them not add much for Gene Gray to do in most of the film's second half. We noticed uh, as the executives considered the tone of the Phoenix story too dark for a mainstream summer movie, which in it itself might is perhaps not a you mm. know is a yeah. fair point, and that its appeal would be limited to hardcore fans rather than a general audience. So, in part, you've got some studio uh. capping of the mm. story, mm. but I think you've also got a recognition from oh. Fox that the Phoenix story is maybe not the best route to go down especially in this iteration of x-men yes yeah.
2: if you had an mcu style thing and you teased it out say let's say we got we got Endgame out oh no sorry that's, that's not true by the time it's been released spider-man's out um, so you've got spider-man end of phase four sort of thing you could do a phoenix story properly with all the shifting pieces of the shiar and everything else going on as a infinity war end game kind of thing but before that it's going to be rushed confused or just missing s- tons of integral things actually make it resonate in any way shape or form
0: so is uh phoenix a giant cosmic entity that destroys planets and consumes the world and is like one of the most powerful things No it's just multiple personality disorder (laughs) What What do you mean it's just multiple personality And Famke Jansen literally did like Research and training and stuff To deal with multiple personality disorder Mm. And like visited and met People with multiple personality disorders To understand their experiences She doesn't do any fucking acting when she's Phoenix It doesn't matter (laughs) she just stands there staring blankly Mm. Who cares It's rubbish yeah, I mean I'm especially having seen
3: Dark Phoenix now. I'm firmly of the opinion that you cannot do the Phoenix story justice in a single film. Mm. Like in order to capture the scope of it, you do need to make it something like Infinity War and Endgame. You need to you need to see the rise and then you need to see the fall. Mm. And I I mean despite this having a huge budget and that there, there were spin-offs in the motion at the time. Mm, I, thought, I don't think yeah. Fox has never had enough confidence, and also I don't think the X-Men films have ever performed good enough for them to justify looking at one and going, yeah, we're going to guarantee that you have two more
1: after this. It's a difficult one because of the tone that they set with the first Mm X-Men. I think what you've got to remember circa 1999-2000 is that that first X-Men movie made such an impact because after all of the gaudy over the top camp of the latter Batman movies. Mm. It felt like a really grounded superhero movie. Black
0: leather means grr yeah. <laughs> But it
1: didn't do the you know, what do you what do you want me to wear, yellow spandex. It mm. didn't it was very self consciously a more grounded X Men um X Men universe. And say what you want about that now in terms of what Marvel does and how they've embraced Mm. more of the comic booky side of things but in the early 2000s that was entirely necessary to get people on board with the idea of a comic book movie Mm. and i think that there's a big problem when that's the case and then you come to try and adapt one of the most comic booky x-men stories so a quote here this is from zach penn who was co-wrote it with kimberg and he said um this was in response to people asking him why it wasn't closer to the comic. And he said, <laughs> look, this isn't going to be treated the way you want. Is Phoenix going to be a cosmic force that's a giant bird of fire? No, because it doesn't fit into the world.
0: Sometimes it is when it's under a lake for like 10 yeah. seconds. You get a giant firebird.
1: No, 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 yeah. no, no reason. But I think that that's the... That's the mm. thing. This was just I find uh, it weird that they pushed for it because it feels like the wrong story. Yeah. And I think they mm. pushed for it because it was it's arguably the most iconic X-Men story. Yeah. And they felt like they needed to end it on the X-Men epic, but it doesn't make any sense going with Phoenix given what they've set up in the previous films.
3: Yeah. I think you can tell a uh, Phoenix story with those restrictions, and you can make it about you know, oh, it's just the full extent of Jean's powers, you know, that was shut down when she was younger, which is a attack a that a lot of X-Men adaptations take. Is that what Dark
0: Phoenix does?
3: It does a bit of
2: that, but it still has cosmic Oh, good. Thing. It actually has cosmic powers. Obviously, it still to, doesn't do it right, clearly. It does. It does all these things. But also, it forgets that in Apocalypse, she already had the Phoenix in her and it was all glowing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, <laughs> she was doing that
0: at the end of Apocalypse.
3: Yeah. I think it is possible to do a slightly more grounded version of the Phoenix where you don't necessarily have to have the Shiar and the cosmic firebird and stuff like that, but it's still you're still trying to jam it into too small a container. It needs yeah. to be um, the
2: central focus of the story.
3: Yes, the and it and it needs to be about Jean's journey ultimately. Yes. And the, she's barely
0: a character in the last Oh Stand. yeah, she's
3: a she's a plot device, basically. yeah. Absolutely.
1: This is also the problem of a of an X-Men film series that is essentially a Wolverine film oh, series. That's the exact same thing. Yes. Absolutely, and, yes, yes, yes. And of course, that was clearly what Fox was also thinking because at the same time they're making X-Men The Last Stand, mm. they are putting wheels in motion for X-Men Origins Wolverine. Everyone's favourite X-Men movie. And ultimately for the unfilmed X-Men Origins Magneto. Which is basically first class. Yeah. And I think you've got a big problem there because what Fox were essentially doing is making what is supposed to be the finale of a series while simultaneously trying to develop ways to finish, to continue that series. mm -hmm. And I think that this has a detrimental impact on The Last Stand because it was never really treated as that even though that's what it's supposed to be. Mm. And I do feel like this is a film series that would have been served better as a trilogy draw a line under it and then move on Mm -hmm. to to either reboot restart or just not do x-men for a while and do something else um and i think that this is a this was a huge a huge issue here i think this is a bigger issue at the moment in general Mm. which is that people because of franchises and how that works people are very unwilling to let things end absolutely yeah
0: everything needs to be 21 movies continuous Mm -hmm. everything's a shared universe Mm -hmm. and we're Mm -hmm. trying to copy marvel and all that kind of bullshit run it out until it dies exactly yeah
1: and i think it's interesting that you see the beginnings of that during the production of this film because up until this point in sort of mid 2000s we were very much resigned to that idea that a film series lasts for Three or four installments, and mm-hmm. normally by the time you get to four, you're hitting your alien resurrection and Superman 4 quest for peace Eww. territory, and Eww. you know it's over.
0: And weird enough, you've got Kevin Feige as a producer on these films mm. as well. Yeah. He clearly like learned from his mistakes and was mm. like, Oh,
2: we didn't end that properly. I was like, What if we never end it and make all the money in the world? The key thing here, I think, as much as it's going to be a very painful subject for us to discuss in general, is that Brian Singer. Made two good films and then pissed off and made Superman because he didn't give a shit about the X Men, just you know, he did a good thing with it. Same thing with JJ Abrams, didn't give a shit about Star Trek, made some good Star Trek stuff, there, but wanted to get to Star Wars. And then um, Singer desperately wanted to get to Superman effectively, so jump ship as soon as he could. Now, Singer, for lack of better or worse, did construct two really good films. First one ages worse, The like Spider-Man 1. The more you go back, the more you go, oh. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is that he had this control and a vision of certain things. And every character had an emotional story with it. And everything was sort of structured nicely. And there was arc, etc., etc., et cetera, et cetera. But also the powers worked quite nicely, mostly. Unlike say when you got most of the characters being introduced to the last minute, the last battle in the last end on Alcatraz is laughable because suddenly all the mutant powers are jumping. Yeah, <laughs> everyone can
0: jump. Everyone has like portals. Yeah, it's like the end game fight done really badly. Exactly. Like, exactly oh look at all these! Look at all the new characters. Like, no, we know these characters. You can see that. Oh, it's the wizards from the school, and it's yeah. all like all the other sorcerers and stuff. And it's hey, there's clear. Spider-Man swinging in. It's like, yeah. who's that guy? Why is he blue? The- yeah, I-, I love the. Do you know who you're talking to? And then <laughs> Quill goes like. Pum. Do you? Like, no. (laughs) We don't know who
3: you are.
2: (laughs) What's that supposed to mean? You're a fucking hedge. We don't know what you do. Yeah, entirely. And I think this is the interesting thing about, uh, again, it's not just that Bryan Singh coming back could fix it, for example, because he did come back with The Days of Future Past, and I'm one of the people who does not care for that movie. I I like Days of Future Past quite a lot. a lot of people do. But because he had like two stories in mind, and then a sort of rough idea for a treatment, and that was about it. And because there's nowhere for the studio to go... Because 2 feels like an actual good point to stop, to be fair. Yes, okay, you could carry on quite nicely, but you could be done with 2.
0: A 1, 2, Logan, like Yeah,
3: that'd be nice. Just jumping back to the powers uh, and the jumping vast... Button. Here we hey. go, Tim. Here we uh, go. Vast groups of anonymous mutants. Dark Phoenix continues the trend of both... Take uh, having a extremely minor henchman character who is given the name of a very significant X Men yeah. villain oh, of course. Yes. that does not match with their power set at yes. all, and then also having a henchman who is not a recognisable mutant at all, despite there being like literally thousands of mutant henchmen that you could throw into these films yeah. and just have that little bit of like, a, oh, they're doing that character, um, and and yeah, just the treatment of the IP especially in the latter half of, you know, this uh, series has been (laughs) mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, even in Last Stand, like, the two characters I always think of that could have almost saved this film in some ways, and we might get to this in in fixing it. Angel's character and the kid that's sort of leech, but not leech, the the cure kid. Yeah. Like, between them, and uh, I was watching a YouTube video, I think it was... um, uh mr sunday movies he did like a caravan of garbage thing when they talk about the bad moments in certain franchises they talk about like the star wars christmas special and that kind of stuff mm. x-men last Stand was their take on x-men he said like angel gets three minutes of screen time in this film yet yeah you're supposed to believe in his arc of like oh i'm a tortured kid my dad hates me and then like i'm proud of being an x-man and then he flies off like the fucking pterodactyls in jurassic park <laughs> like, oh cool, yeah he's free he's off to go we don't know this kid why do we give a fuck about him especially as the the, opening is so
2: very traumatic that kid sawing off his own that's really right and the thing is what's strange I'd say if I'm honest the most emotionally resonating thing of the whole film is a kid crying absolutely self harming so his parents don't jump that there is beautifully X-Men and I don't care for the X-Men so I'm like that's it and then that's in the first what two five minutes Yep. and then it all goes to shit that could have been
0: if if we'd have had Angel's arc as a way to experience the rest of the story Mm. and we see him being the kind of insider, like oh, we see him. Does he side with Magneto? Does he yeah. side with the Professor and that? Or Storm in the end of it, like that kind of thing. Having his conflict would make it so much more interesting because you've got his dad being a central figure, mm. and his son's like, oh, I'm just gonna jump out of a window mm. for no reason. It's like, yeah. okay, cool. But- and then Leech shows up and it's like. 90 seconds of screen time, maybe? and Never really explained
2: like why he's here or who he is or what's going on. But you get him in a fighting pit in uh, Apocalypse, everything's fine. Exactly, <laughs> it yeah. It fixes it. Oh, Thank you, Germany. Jesus. And Leech
3: doesn't even get to be green. It, it might, <laughs> yeah, what's the
2: point if he's not green?
0: So we mentioned how good the first two films are. How garbage this film is. Mm. Do you want to do a little... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes' guess for the first three X-Men. Oh, I'll three? give you. I'll give you a clue. This is the lowest rated of the three. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a little hint for you. It's not the lowest rated of all of the X-Men films. No, though. no, oh, that yeah.
3: doesn't. Isn't isn't that Dark Phoenix at the moment? Uh, yes, it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. I'll give you a clue. Has twenty three percent. The next lowest mm. is all Origins. Origins. Origins, origins at thirty seven, and then Apocalypse at yeah. forty seven. Mm. I think it's fair. Yeah. So yeah. Have a okay. guess for X One, X Two, X Men United, and X Men the Last Stand. I'm, Alec, I'll come to you first. Well I'm gonna suggest that we take one each. Oh, uh, okay. Oh okay. bold choice. Okay. okay. So, so getting rid of the competitiveness of previous seasons yeah, 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 and working yeah, yeah. together to bring it the all. Together. Hive mind. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so okay. X one, Mr. Ploughman. Gonna go with a solid eighty percent for X Men because I feel like this was a film that came out was a a time when this wasn't a big mainstream thing I think if it was released now it would probably do better than it did then mm-hmm. I think it was generally well liked but I don't know if certain sections of the press necessarily loved it
0: this may help to clue you guys in I can confirm it is 81% of oh, the wow. oh. Wow, oh, well, okay, done, okay. well done well done nice. yeah nice that was good so Timothy over to you X two, X two, higher, lower than the first one? How much higher? How much lower? That is the question.
3: I th- I think it's going to go higher. I think okay. I think this was in the little, this was post Spider Man, pre Spider Man two. Correct, I believe. Yes, 2003. We're in it's two thousand three. It's exactly between the two of them. We're in that yeah. peak of early superhero films kind mm-hmm. of thing, and I think this. I think X two was seen generally seen as a step forward, which I also consider it. Agreed. But yeah. I also think that. You're always at this point, there were certainly critics who were still like, ah, it's just kid stuff.
2: Um, <laughs> they still think about fucking Avengers now. Yeah. People, yeah, people still say that about Super So fans.
3: I'm going to go with like a, an 87.
0: Very close again. It's 85. Ah, There's a lot of pressure
2: on me now. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. But
1: Alec was 1% off.
0: Tim was 2% off. X Men The Last Stand. Mr. Stogden. Yeah. Mm
2: so last stand yeah we're talking about the early age of things we haven't seen Spider-Man 3 we haven't seen the kind of stuff where everyone goes oh these don't work when year it comes to year of our Lore 2006 exactly and we haven't got to like the uh, Dark Knight Rises either where people go oh no that's but a even good then, point actually yeah, we, yeah. Haven't, we haven't had Dark Knight we haven't had Dark Knight Yeah, but that's the point we haven't we, we're only familiar with these things slowly running out of steam, so I think people would be a little disappointed with the whole thing, but not. It would still be like, oh, so it's, it's a kids film because they've always been kids films. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say it's gonna be above fifty. Okay, it's gonna be, uh, may have been too ambitious there. Um, I'm gonna say it's gonna be six. No, not sixty. Uh, <laughs> fifty. Fucking fifty nine.
0: You're two percent off as well, Matthew. Fifty-seven, shit, son. (laughs) Well done, gentlemen. They were good guesses, very good guesses. (laughs) Uh, As as I mentioned, next X-Men Origins Wolverine is thirty-seven. First Class is eighty-six. The Wolverine is seventy-one. Days of Future Past is ninety. Deadpool eighty-four. Apocalypse forty-seven. Wolverine Wolverine. Logan, Mm. not not Wolverine Logan. Mm. Logan is ninety-three, which I think is appropriate. Mm. That's easily the best of the films, in my opinion. Yeah. Legion, the TV show, is ninety percent. Deadpool 2 is 83% and mm. Dark
2: Phoenix, 23%. Before people start writing on Twitter and, and emailing us, which of course you all can do should you feel need to, we know these figures fluctuate slightly with more reviews coming in every now and again. So if someone says, oh, it's not anymore, it's it's 73. It's like, yes, because more people reviewed it highly now. <laughs> it sh- it shifts. But at the time of recording, entirely accurate. So
0: I'll, sc- I'll screenshot this if you want. <laughs> uh, pedantic motherfuckers.
2: Yeah. Basically, we all got it really close and we're all really good at this. So yeah, thanks. Yeah,
0: You guys are the best. This is is not the best. (laughs) (laughs) Problem solved. Everything's fine. So we know X-Men Last Stand is a hot pile of garbage. (laughs) And you three gentlemen have the unpleasant task of fixing
2: it. Wading hip-deep in the poop.
3: (laughs) I I found it a deeply pleasant task to be able to... Fair enough, fair enough. Just Sweep sweep all the trash away. (laughs) (laughs) Filiac.
2: Wading hip-deep and going, I love this. So, this is where I belong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That explains a lot. So, there's something we need to discuss, I feel. The director, Brett Ratner... What we doing with Mr. Ratner?
1: What's what's the plan for a director for fixing this thing? It's a weird one because I feel mm. like Brett Ratner. I feel like the faults of X Men: The Last Stand are not necessarily Brett Ratner's, mm. as so much as they are. <laughs> the three other people
0: in the room went mmm and squinted. <laughs> I still, <laughs> think, it's not as
3: mm, no no. Mm. He also doesn't bring anything. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> Have you seen Rush Hour? <laughs> but
1: I think that from a you know the the um the script is what lets this film down mm. in a big way I think. Yeah. I think the Kinberg. Writer...
3: although I think we we did touch on this previously like this film has very little in terms of like visual imagination when it comes to powers or or even just
1: That's most shots. That's true or even necessarily feeling like it has continuity with the first two. Yes. So with that in mind, I think while I think that you know Ratner is not the the world's most awful choice for this. I don't think he's the best either. And I think if we wanted to make a really great X-Men The Last Stand, the question is, who do we bring in to direct it? Because there is a very obvious choice so you mentioned the continuity from
0: the first two mm. i'm assuming you're going to go for well
1: yeah in any world brian singer should have directed x-men yes. 3 one would argue because he did a very good job with 1 and 2 mm. he later came back and did a decent job with um, days of future past and then we won't talk about the one after that but um yeah. but you know he's got a track record for x-men things mm. and it's kind of responsible for originating all of that and making it what it was. Mm. But it's Brian Singer. Yeah. And in right light of recent allegations, which are this that that makes that situation feel a bit uncomfortable. If you mm.
0: don't know what we're talking about, Listers, go and Google Brian Singer controversy and uh yeah. That that'll lay just it out Add, for add it. him to the list of Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Max Landis rat rat <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so you've got that difficult question of what do you do about that especially as I'm assuming I I, I defer to Tim on this but that the that, that we're still going with earth year 2006 as our year of uh, yeah release I think for this. It, yeah.
3: around
2: certainly around then and yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, no reason not to. too long I would yeah. say if anything earth year 2007 Wow because then it allows a new director to come on and do their own vision properly and not be hindered by time constraints or anything like Ooh. that. Like we got to get this done by this point, and we haven't got a director mm. and got a vision. That kind of thing.
1: Sure. So the question then is, like, who is the director? Because I think in one world, I, in one sense, it makes perfect sense for it to be Brian Singer. In the other sense, if, given if we,
0: if we were doing this podcast twelve years ago, first of all, we'd be well ahead of the curve. I'd be yeah. so proud of us as little wee babes <laughs> making a making sequels. But like but you're... we're not. It's twenty nineteen. We can't have Singer. Yeah. We just can't.
2: It's like, this is the perfect gift for my child. It's amazing. Oh, wait, it's stolen? Well, now I know it's stolen. I can't really buy it's been it. rolling
0: in the poo of X-Men 3.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, um, as Alex pointed out, I think Brian Singer would be the logical choice, but there are two two big factors. First big factor is... Uh, Google it. And the second factor is that, in truth, he left and took Marsden with him for, for Warner Brothers. So we, we probably couldn't get Singer back. So people might not be familiar with the fact or aware of the fact that, obviously, Fox didn't have Brian Singer. They needed to go in something else. And they, weirdly enough, actually approached Matthew Vaughn, director of First Class. And his reaction was kind of two or threefold, really. There are generally different responses. One is that he says, I wouldn't have had the time to do the thing I would want wanted to do. And he says, personal stuff, which who knows what that means. He also then said, how do you follow X-Men 2? And then, very famously on Twitter, started just trashing X Men Three, saying, "Yeah, shit, <laughs> 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 there's no emotional core." Somebody, but based on what we said earlier. Um, so effectively, the logical answer is Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. He seems to be the just, quite a like Matthew Vaughn. He's directed some good films. He's only been a stardust at this point. He's, um, in fact, in his words, he was like, "I, I, uh, I'm trying to restart my career, not just as a producer but as a director." He's only just done stardust, about to go off and do a few other things, and it's He's a stardust.
0: Know, kick-ass i guess yeah also no, no, i'm
2: Entirely correct he might have just done um, Lair cake. layer cake oh and I another think good about film. to do stardust or about come with lack of it but either way um his career is I'm, I'm trying to prove myself as a director i don't need the dead albatross around my neck of oh he directed that shit mm, x-men 3 film. so i think it was more a, a combination of i don't want this poison chalice and he was probably right to do that. then he gets you know with, with that first class he gets to come on board and say hang on, I can swoop in now and do whatever the hell I want and people be yeah, okay he'd, with it. he'd
0: done Layer Cake and Stardust. Uh, if we're doing 2007, Stardust yes. is 2007. Okay, that's what it is. Yes, and yes. then Kick-Ass a couple of years later, then First Class, Kingsman, the Kingsman, Kingsman sequel. Kingsman. The Kingsman 3
2: <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to Kingsman 3. I'd like the first one. Pre- you know, choose me. M- the third one's going to be a prequel set like in the early 900s It's a bit like sort of a like steampunk. Okay, scene. yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. Not, anyway. Not, not anyway. So Matthew Vaughn,
1: I think, is a, is a pretty... Pretty sure. cool. so we'll go with Matthew Warren then to direct
0: yeah. yeah yeah
3: nice um I I tackled the plot
0: um you did with gusto with gusto
3: Tim. uh yeah I, I I'm gonna read out a summary here I did end up writing basically like an old school sequelizers pitch (laughs) that that was basically a full script treatment, which will stick up on the Patreon uh, as bonus content. Um, So if you're, if you're at all interested in that uh, or tantalized by, by the tease here, Mm. um, it it is a good read. I enjoyed it. mm, So, yeah. um, So we talked a lot about how three should be the end of a trilogy. Um, And so that was one of the things that I was aiming to do. um, And, we uh one of the things i wanted was it it felt like a nice thematic move in the first x-men film it's magneto who is the threat he he is the danger he's going to war with the humans um and then in x2 we have striker but we also have magneto like subverting striker's weapon at the end it's basically the war between humans and mutants so i figured it would be good at for the final film to have it a purely human threat and get something which X-Men The Last Stand teases but doesn't actually properly give us which is the Sentinels. Ah, yeah, which you is,
0: get the little danger room head thing, yes. don't you? That's um, arguably better looking than the ones we got later on in the franchise. Yes, More comic, interesting.
3: Um, and importantly, they were also a big feature in the 90s cartoon, which is where a lot of people are familiar with these.
0: Are they going to be attacking people in malls? Is that what
3: we're
2: going to be doing? I
3: haven't got that scene. But I don't believe uh, it. D- oh, man, now I've got to go back and rewrite <laughs> it.
2: Um, I must admit, I, having only really because I didn't really X Men comics much at all, and my only real experience was the TV series. And when they did the first film, they're like, "Oh, it's all the leather." I'm like, "Okay but this." Where are the big robots though? Well, I yeah. thought exact same <laughs> yeah.
0: thing. Like, yeah, it was all the extendy robot yeah. battles. Yeah,
3: yeah. Right. So I shall I shall go through my summary here and and, and expand occasionally, uh, just and de- detail some of the bits that I've got in the. Uh, I expand the occasionally treatment. as well. Hey! Yeah. Is that can't, a penis can't thing? Or or... And if you
1: ask nicely, is that your is that your mutant power? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: um so we we begin with the X-Men still reeling from Jean's death. Um Wolverine and Storm are spending most of their time traveling the US helping new mutants who are in trouble. Um and in fact New the, mutants
0: capitals?
3: Uh, not quite oh. uh, because the the actual opening scene of the film is them helping out a young uh, Remy Lebeau, aka ah. Gambit, played by Taylor King, <laughs>
0: or Channing Tatum, or nobody. Channing Tatum, fucking fuck Channing Tatum. He was in that, a picture one point. Speaking of clusterfuck films, the Gambit film. Good lord, yeah. that never exists. That sort of exists and never exists.
2: So for Remy Lebeau, if people are curious as to um, Channing, who we we're going to Channing
0: Tatum. It. Obviously,
2: I mean Channing Tatum did, did cross my mind. Uh, but equally antagonistic for, of audiences and I'm waiting for them to just jump on and say no <laughs> no uh, the answer is we're going to go for someone who is going to be you know uh, a bit mysterious a bit broody quite rebellious and mm-hmm. rambunctious a very good actor and also uh, a thing for certain ladies and a thing for certain dudes I guess and the answer is <laughs> Robert Pattinson oh Batman himself Batman himself bloody hell Batman Cullen we'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um
3: so yeah so we we get the introduction of Gambit um as a, a young mutant in trouble. Um meanwhile Scott is back at the mansion and he's kind of relentlessly training the next generation of X-Men. Um we get a fun Danger Room sequence. Um so this is this will be uh, Iceman, Rogue, Colossus who we obviously saw in X-Men 2. He mm-hmm. had a a Slightly bigger role in X Men Three, or was at least standing around in the background more. My favorite X Man, um, and also Jubilee, who um, ah, keeps nice. showing up in the background and never
0: actually is in the films until she is in the film. Until well, she's, she's in Days Apo- of Future Apo- Past, in
3: uh, uh, an Apocalypse, apocalypse. With, uh, and her main team was cut. They so, still yeah. do nothing with her. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, our version's going to be. Um, she doesn't actually go on to do very much until later, with Mike Noah as the voice of Go Go and. Big Hero 6 or maybe Amber in Sucker Punch or something like that but basically Jamie Chung again oh, we're nice. yeah, at this yeah. point relatively unknown sort of thing but mm. I think she'd be very capable she's a very good actor mm. so yeah she'd be a good Jubilee I think
3: she was Mulan in uh, the Once Upon a Time yes. TV series oh okay mm-hmm. um uh, so we have that going on. Meanwhile, the government unveils the new Sentinel program, which they kind of market as something that can help mutants who have just, just had their powers activated or they've lost control of their powers. It's meant to be kind of uh, to aid law enforcement. Um, so the X-Men discuss how they should react to this new uh, step um, by the government. Um, meanwhile, the uh, after having tested it a bit, the government decides to put it to more malevolent use, and they go to break up Magneto's compound of Genosha. Hey! Getting uh, of that room, nice which, Genosha, yeah. Which, uh, I, I, one of the few things that the Dark Phoenix film does relatively well, they have it less as this, like, mutant island Although it is still an island, it's more like a little like weird culty compound in like okay. the Pacific Northwest. Which
2: mm. <laughs> I mean, I think I, a, a I guy got... who's a master of metals and he always got his like an upside down boat as his house. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, I mean it's yeah.
3: We'll make it look a bit more impressive. That's all I need. That's but I, I need. quite I quite like that You're interpretation right. of like. Yes. Let's turn it into this weird like almost refugee sort of yeah camp yeah um, commune yeah. So um, so yeah, we'll have a nice battle there of the sentinels taking on uh magneto and his acolytes um and kind of he starts off very um uh sort of dismissive of like oh you know you humans keep coming and saying you're gonna kick me off this island but you know you've got nothing that can stand up to me and then the sentinel show up and actually kick his ass because they've they adapt to mutant powers and Mm -hmm. they um don't have any metal in them um So most of the Acolytes are going to be kind of background characters, but one of the few that's kind of important to our story um, is uh, Fabian Cortez, who was a big deal in the uh, kind of first arc of X-Men as opposed to Uncanny X-Men, which was the big 90s second X-Men title that was Jim Lee and Chris Claremont in its first arc. Um, so yeah, legendary run. The, a legendary movie. one, the yeah. best-selling comic of all time. Yeah, so... the first issue is the best-selling comic yeah. of all time. Really? Isn't it? Yeah. The yeah. First
1: issue has uh, like the first variant covers thing, isn't it? As yeah, well, the famous ra- the this. famous wraparound thing with Magneto yeah. stood there with his fist. Oh, and I have that image. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: one of the, you Google X Men. That's yeah. one of the images that comes up. Yeah, which, yeah Jim Lee's X Men is yeah, legendary, so, so we're and Claremont is from... probably the best X Men writer there's ever been. Yes,
2: yeah. For him specifically, we went. Strange enough. He was blonde at the time, which is appropriate, I think, because the character in, if I remember, for the cartoon had blonde hair and a big mm-hmm. ponytail, I think. But uh, Pedro Pascal, who people oh know, nice, yeah, people know later from like yeah. oh that guy from Narcos and from Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones and stuff, yeah. yeah. But he was been wearing for ages.
0: And Kingsman too.
2: And Kingsman too, <laughs> goodly <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I did not even consider that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Nice. There you go. <laughs>
0: it's already pals with Matthew Vaughn from the future.
2: Oh, that's how sequelizing
3: works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so most of Magneto's acolytes are captured by the Sentinels along with Storm and Rogue who have tracked a squadron of the Sentinels there in the Blackbird um, uh, along with Wolverine but he manages to escape with Magneto and they both return to the X-Mansion to ask for help.
0: Interesting. So you got Magneto coming back with Wolverine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. okay.
3: Um, so Charles is very torn about what to do uh, in this situation because he doesn't want to es- escalate it and he doesn't want to threaten the progress that the mutants have made in terms of like getting more rights and stuff like that. Um, and this would be them flat out like attacking the government. Yeah,
0: declaration of war kind of thing. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Um, at the same time, we have Wolverine who's trying to kind of like shake Cyclops out of his depression, <laughs> um, who has been very like reticent to kind of take command or like threaten, you know, put people's lives at risk in in what he's doing. Um, but we have him. Scott kind of finally coming into action uh to defeat a squadron of sentinels that's followed the blackbird to the mansion with um, his lasers with his lasers <laughs> 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 They're not lasers people they're beams of concussive force um uh, Makes and- no
0: sense but Tim's right unfortunately Yes uh, they're really warm though right that's a that's a feature Yeah they yeah. explode and like cut through things but they're concussive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For um reasons and again, this is a this is a comic book reference here to
3: um, a great bit in the uh, gifted arc that uh, Joss Whedon and John Cassidy did in the comics, which was partially used as the inspiration for X-Men The Last Stand. There's I was going to say, yeah. There's a great moment where Cyclops just blasts this sentinel clean off the uh, mansion lawn. Mm-hmm. And
0: there's a weird tie with... So Joss Whedon was also involved in the X-Men franchise at the time and he yes. helped Ellen Page... Prepare for the role and all that kind of thing it was mm. like friends with her and chatting with her. And the bit of script that she read was directly from an issue of Gifted mm. for her audition, <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was quite interesting. That's
3: nice. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, the X Men and Magneto travel to the Sentinel base, um, where the mutants are being held captive by the Sentinel's inventor, uh, Bolivar Trask, who's kind of our big bad
2: guy here. Yeah, Bolivar Trask, we've got to go with um dinklage
0: peter dinklage
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh what was dinklage, i mean dinklage, what was dinklage, dinklage doing in station agent probably around that time yeah it's really good yeah. and he's a really yeah. actor so i mean he would have been fine but it would have been such a strange move um we're gonna go with typical uh prestige actor type so um joaquin phoenix has just won an oscar for walk the line and it's like oh yeah that guy get him on board
0: Joaquin Phoenix
2: mm, Joaquin nice Phoenix, yeah. nice because um, again I think he's got that uh, very much so and now it, it hasn't been released yet at this time of recording but the trailer for the Joker film mm, as much as I yes. like no and then you see the trailer go actually this is interesting if it wasn't a Joker film this would be alright because right? he is a very, yeah. very 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 good actor Yeah, and again him having that air of menace but also being charming and things I think that would be really interesting as a
0: he could do mental and charming and this weird kind entitling. of like almost the like we're saying with what gene gray almost should have been the kind of yes. dual personality thing he does that kind of like snaps into some other yeah. kind of mode very I mean, well
2: this, this is a man who's created machines to literally police and or wipe out an entire race of people mm. there's a you know there's a level of monstrousness to that but also it's like to protect my people i was like yeah i'm
0: imagining almost like a public face of like hi i'm bolivar trask and yeah. then like, why aren't these damn things working and he's like freaking out in the background kind of yeah
2: I, th- I think it would be Along those lines.
0: Yeah,
3: we actually have a scene earlier in the film where he uh we're having him as the Deputy Secretary of the Department for Mutant Affairs. Um and uh so we do, we get this like press conference of him announcing the Sentinel Initiative, um, and one of the other people who is involved with the department but not involved with the Sentinels is Dr Henry McCoy, ah. aka the Beast, who we mm. do have in this film.
2: Yes, uh for that one,
0: um There's a correct answer here, Matthew.
2: That's Oh, a correct oh really? Yeah. Oh, I'm about to say it then, and yeah. you're about to tell me how I'm wrong, and then I'm yeah, going to say absolutely, I think you're fine, you are wrong. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Kelsey Graham is a great casting. He is. Yeah. He's the best he's, thing about that film. He is. He's a really solid choice. And uh, considering the nature of how CGI works, it doesn't matter who's really. You're about it. to pick
0: the guy who played Niles, because I will slap you <laughs> <laughs> if you pick Niles. If you pick sideshow settle over sideshow Bob, I will no, slap. I will slap. No, you.
2: we're going to go more. We're not necessarily more controversial. We're making a. Uh, uh, well, I've I made it uh, a conscious choice to. Type cast against, oh, sorry, cast against ethnicity. Oh, so we have an African American guy, okay. As Beast. Okay. Um, and we're going with Kelsey Grammer in black, Kelsey <laughs> Grammer in black <blue> face, <laughs> he's in blue face. Um, no, it we are going with somebody who's only just been in Syriana at this point, and he goes on to do lots of things, and very much for contemporarily now, what he's done with in Westworld as uh Bernard, um, but basically, um. Jeffrey Wright I love Jeffrey Wright that's a great yeah. choice him him in this and also then he again he's not really known much as Siriana Discus, uh, Felix Leiter in Casino Royale but as an actor he's got such a great presence and and the thing is it's strange we do this and that's what I think I love about you know the idea in theory is that you get a chance to say if we weren't like surrounded by producers who are idiots and or racists and or sexists you wouldn't end up with a generic well it has to be a white man it's like does it because this person feels and again as arrogant as this sounds in my own casting i'm like well this person's best for the role this is the person to go with yeah it doesn't yeah. matter if they're male female otherwise and especially with the ethnicity as well it's like if they're the right person fucking cast them it's like well you can't cast flash gordon as we discussed this in them um, in the uh, cinematic universe episode you can't cast flash gordon as an asian man why not? Who, who's, who says we can't? Yeah, it's, it's a fucking fictional film, and also they're all aliens. <laughs> but, but that's that's the point. So in this case, we're going with Jeffrey Wright because we he think he's a solid choice, and he's he would be bringing a lot of presence. And and uh, but then also this time, a lot of the choices were made for casting, a lot of unknowns as far mm. as the public is concerned.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of a retroactive casting, isn't it? like he's good in the Westworld mm. six years from now, like yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, like yeah. But
2: equally, he's always been good. But then if you think about the yeah. X Men films, they always kind of dig in with people you wouldn't have thought. Of. Mm. And he'd done, he'd done Basquiat at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. So he was, he mm. was, he was, he was, he was around and, and, and kind of well-known. as. Thing. I was ready
0: yeah. to fight you if you didn't meet Kelsey Graham. And I was like, fuck, I love Jeffrey Wright. You passed. <laughs> <laughs> what a great
3: choice. Um, So, yeah, so we have the X-Men and Magneto travel to the Sentinel base uh, and freeing the captives. Um, and that's mostly the Acolytes and then um, a few kind of civilian mutants, who I think is the last casting note that we have, uh, which is a, another kind of, Small scale mutant from the um, late 80s, early 90s um, uh, in the comics called
2: Sal- Sally Blevins. Who I cast. And then Tim said, No, she's going to be 15." I went, oh, sorry. Because <laughs> 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 I read the sort of. I didn't know it was Sally Blevins at all. I read a Wikipedia article yeah. thought, Oh, she's an adult. And it's like, No, she's not. Okay. <laughs> so we went with uh, Carly Schroeder, who is. Um, she knows most of kids' TV stuff. She's been like the Lizzie McGuire show and things like that. And she's, again, very capable actress. And like, there you go. That's an appropriate mm. casting Um, without, go- and this is the kind of thing about casting for this sort of stuff as well. You don't want to go, well, we cast a, a, a young, someone who ends up being the biggest star on TV. Mm. And you're like, well, no. Or we cast Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's mm. like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could argue that, but then it becomes out of the range of plausible. You'd be multiple. really fucking and, young at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the whole, in terms of practicality, realism, and also what you can suitably get. Because you, if you if you do any sort of fantasy casting, anyway, shape or form. Or, like sequels in general, fantasy storytelling—you can't just say what's the X-Men story. Well, they would have given them a budget of five hundred billion, but the most yeah. expensive <laughs> film ever made. It's like, no, no, no. We need to keep this in a realm of possibility. Yeah. So you can't just say who's in this film. Every A-lister you can imagine. Yeah. So Kylie Schroeder—not an obvious choice. People might not know who she is, but she is more than capable of that role. I think mm. she's a good choice. Yes, and it's—it's it's not the biggest role in the film. No, exactly. Uh, and she's
3: been. She was in Mean Creek, which is a she was a great was, film. It? Yeah, so, yeah, good. Good, good little choice. Um, so then, um, the X Men are freeing the captives, and but the Sentinels are still threatening to overwhelm them. Um, however, and this is where the uh, having Fabian Cortez, who uh, boosts other mutants' powers, is important in the equation, um, because he uh, tries to use Rogue as a human shield against the Sentinels, and with him touching her skin. Um, boosts her powers and she absorb basically hoovers up the powers of a bunch of the other acolytes <laughs> and we suddenly have the rogue that everyone's familiar with who can fly and being yes, super strong and yeah, yeah cool yeah um and uh she is the one who destroys the um master mole program uh that is enabling the sentinels to adapt to the different mutant powers and so the battle you know the the tide turns uh we have trask captured his operations exposed um and then the film closes with charles xavier announcing to the public that he is a mutant which is something that he has kept secret for this time that's the i am iron man moment essentially yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and Mm -hmm. saying like it's time for mutants to stop living in the shadows like you know and that his school will kind of serve as a sanctuary for anyone Mm -hmm. who wants to come there um yeah, so that's that's the uh, and no post credit sequence. No post credits. They, <laughs> they weren't the thing at the time. No, no, another no teaser of Phoenix or anything no like fucking that. Up. No,
1: and there was, is a post credits in X Men: The Last Stand. In the actual, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah in the there was one X yeah, two yeah, the as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plot. I wanted to do something that gave Rogue more to do, um, yes. and yeah, uh, makes sense. like a through line in this is what while we're seeing her being trained is that the the kind of the new generation of X-Men aren't really sure they want to be X-Men like Iceman is very like yeah I want to go out there and be helping people and like he doesn't wow. want
0: to do ice skating and stuff he doesn't want to like... do ice skating doesn't want to in like... a weird love triangle that doesn't make any sense or go anywhere
3: exactly yeah. um but we have Colossus and Jubilee who are both like we're not sure that we want to be superheroes we'd rather like teach in the school or we'd rather be like the public face of mutants just normal people and Rogue very much kind of torn in that because she's like I kind of, I want to be out there helping people, but what do I do? Like, all I can do is suck other people's powers up. Um, And so, yeah, kind of delve into that for her and have that be her emotional arc um, in the film.
0: Quick question. Is Anna Paquin's accent better in this? No, no, that's still terrible. But neither Sally Barrett. Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Again, watching the the video clip. We can fix the films. We can't fix everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't realise how often Hugh Jackman like slips to Australian, and there was just a compilation of all the times he's like, "Oh hey mate, I mean, uh, 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 hey Scott, how are you?" It's like <laughs> suddenly Aussie Wolverine, supposed to be Canadian. Well,
1: if you've ever seen the 1989 X Men cartoon pilot, oh. Wolverine is hella Australian. He's he is Australian <laughs>
3: inexplicably. In hey, Latin. what are you
0: doing, mate? Wolverine. Watch me pop my claws. Did they, like, Google it and like like, uh, Wombat's close enough. Close like enough, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds like an animal from Australia. All the what? weird animals are from Australia.
3: I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do ain't pretty. <laughs> Second best, don't cut it,
0: bonza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're bub with bonza. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we need a more Australian wolverine, is what you're telling me. Yes, that's what well, that's all I took from this. And,
3: and also, uh, Hugh Jackman is gonna sing all of his lines <laughs> and have a big with, red
1: frock coat with and a top hat with
0: his Jean Valjean falsetto. Oh no, oh, for no, no we're, going, we're going greatest show, greatest showman. Yeah. Oh, he, he'll
1: like that. That's good. I'd go Jean Valjean, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't notice how I could Jean Valjean at
0: Jean Val Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> so X Men. <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it a lot i know I, I kind of chipped in a couple of times how much i'm enjoying it was there a particular kind of comic run that you mentioned gifted Were there any other particular we're kind of pulling
3: points? in
2: things from from various different points um which is what i like about it and why i think it works best because when you stick to things like it has to be this hmm. it, especially with like in name only it's going to disappoint a lot of people who are expecting a certain story and a certain load of developments mm-hmm. wherever you go like it's got elements and thematic points that are in tune with what the characters are expecting, sorry, the audience is expecting of the characters and what the fans are expecting of the characters to do. It's a nice hybrid. It's basically the best of everything mm. without meaning to stroke you too much, Tim. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. That's a lot of
3: stroke. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was a thing of, um I wanted to be more, it, as much as I love the X Men, I love the characters and the, and the comics and everything. It's more about being consistent to the films that have existed so far. Yes. Like and and respecting the universe that they've set up. So there are certain things that you can do and there are certain like I wasn't gonna have Master Mold be an actual giant robot that poops out other robots. <laughs> um like as much and as sings. I as much as I love that. Um but uh yeah, so yeah, I pulled a bit from like the very first appearance of the Sentinels, which was kind of one of the first like, multi-arc stories that the X-Men did back in 1964 or something. Um, you say yeah, that as
0: if you don't know, or something. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. It's to right make sure he doesn't um, get caught up on yeah, it. Yeah, there is, absolutely.
3: Um, yeah, and, and, and drew stuff from a lot of places. Um, and, and stuff that I hoped, you know, pe- general audiences might be more kind of familiar with. Because obviously, like, Dark Phoenix is a big deal to X-Men fans, but... I don't know how much awareness like the general public is. Whereas I think a lot of them have memories of like, oh yeah, don't they fight robots a lot?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matt and I just just said the exact same thing. Like being in our kind Mm. of generation, that's the defining X-Men thing. That's the, Mm. that's the thing that was introducing me to the X-Men. Yes. Like between the Spider-Man radioactive spider blood, the 90s show, (laughs) Batman animated series and X-Men, the animated series. Those were the things that got me into Mm. comic books Mm. because you know, I was born in 1990, so that stuff mm-hmm. is happening. Like all the reruns are happening in my childhood and yeah. stuff like that.
2: Again, I didn't understand why Rogue wasn't flying. <clears throat> I was like, "Oh, what's her power? She just ran." Because like, again, I have not been from the start. I was like, "I don't get it. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't she like flying around in a jacket? It, it, and again, it's because of what we've already seen.
0: I think I literally didn't realize it was Rogue at first. Yeah. I, if I remember, <laughs> like watching the first film, I was like, "Yeah, what? What? Why is he calling everybody sugar and like throwing yeah. giant robots over her shoulder and <laughs> yeah. stuff? It's weird."
3: And, and I think, you know, as great as Dark Phoenix is, it's a not story... Not the film. Yeah, not the film, the, saga. The, the comics. Saga. Um, it's a film that doesn't... It's a, it's a story that doesn't really connect to the X-Men's core metaphor. Like, it's not True. about being, you know, hated and feared by, by humankind. Yeah. It's this weird space opera kind of thing that yeah. happens, you know, that... Uh, the, the, it only really works if you have real... If you've built up affection for those characters and you've put the time in and... I don't think it works, possibly in film at all, because because you need that serialized nature. You need to have spent mm. so long with the character, so that them changing and coming and and you know being corrupted in these ways. Yeah. It's a TV
0: or well, unless they do know. something like the MCU and like you kind of hinted at earlier, you, you build that up and mm. have Phoenix be the Thanos of yeah. it, of that
2: phase or whatever it is. Like because you know that know what can I mean? cut like, you emotionally. Like no no no, she's one of us. And it's like. No, we've always been building to this. That can yeah. that can really ch- yes, turn you absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you
0: need you need the boy, groundwork. A, a, a half a dozen, a dozen films yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, or, or episodes that, building up to. You it. You
2: can't just make that turn in the last three episodes, yeah. right? And the even conference.
0: with this, like obviously <laughs> with make? things like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff that's kind of opened up the cosmic yes. world and the cosmic mm. side of Marvel, you could probably get away with the Shiar stuff yeah, nowadays. No, no, yeah. so, like mm. if we were making this in 2019, we be like, fuck it. Just giant bird people in space. It's fine. Mm. Doesn't matter. Just go mental.
2: Doesn't she eat a planet to replenish herself at one point? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's what that's what Phoenix does. That's kind of Mm. because they try and they come and arrest Jean because she destroyed the planet or whatever, and she's hosting the kill people. Yeah, yeah, like you need to be responsible for the planet you just destroyed.
2: (laughs) Nah, bitch, I'm out.
3: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So in Dark Phoenix, the the movie, the race that lived oh. on the planet that Jean eats in the comics are the people, is it the, the aliens that Jessica Chastain and her little gang are playing? Yeah. So, and they look like they're made of broccoli in the comics, <laughs> and so it's really yep. weird to have, like, white blonde haired jessica chastain kind of floating around just being like hello i've got a very underwritten part here and i'm playing I'm made it very... of broccoli. i'm made of broccoli eat your greens it's good for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well don't eat your greens that's me
3: <laughs> that
2: incredibly sexual um but is the thing is that you're right it's the whole the planet's destroyed they come to earth to track it but then also they happen to be on earth in disguise anyway and you're like what yeah <laughs> so many rewrites so many problems yeah, yeah.
0: I rather enjoyed that. Well done, Tim. Well done, Matthew. Well done, Alec. I, I, I very much enjoyed a thousand times more than X-Men <laughs> Last yeah, Stand. Yeah. And if you do want to experience Tim's full ex-gushing, ex- if his you will. It's full <laughs> concussive force. <laughs> his, 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 concuss- his concussive writing blasts. I'll, t- I'll take off my
3: ruby quartz... Fountain pen lid?
1: Sure. I don't know. Ruby. Ruby quartz keyboard cover. Yay, there we go.
0: It looked like one of those weird like gaming PC keyboards where it's all glowing and uh, pointless. (laughs) Go and check out Patreon because you want to hear some more of that good stuff. Mm. If you're into X-Men, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Even if you're not, you might still enjoy it. And that pretty much wraps us up for X-Men The Last Stand. Well done, gentlemen. You fixed it once again. <laughs> <laughs> again, I feel like Charlie to Silent Charlie's Angels, Angel's again. Yeah, again. Well done, my angel.
2: <laughs> I expect to get some sort of dog treat there for a I second. I know, right? Yeah, I'm just going to
0: flick something into Matthew's mouth.
1: That's, that's later, Matt. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that comes later. If you ask nicely. Uh, I'm good. Especially if you don't ask nicely. That's That's, one <laughs> oh,
0: that's when the dog treats really come out. <laughs> 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 if you want to give Matthew... Digital dog treats. How could they do that, Matthew? (laughs) They could
2: fuck (laughs) off. (laughs) Um, You could do a number of things. Fine, fine, people. You could follow me on the Twitters and Instagrams at Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can read my plentiful reviews of films, including Including Dark Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, At the uk. Have you been
0: doing it long enough that you reviewed any of these X-Men's? You You did Logan as well, didn't you? I've been
2: reviewing films since 2004.
0: So yes, you've got the almost... Is, the, is your Last Stand review I in there somewhere? somewhere. Oh. We should uh, We should share that on we'll, the social medias. We'll, we'll link we'll link to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, you can also see my filmmaking stuff at Cheesemint.com or just go into YouTube and look at Cheesemint and you'll see some stuff.
0: Including Tim and me occasionally as well. True, mm. true. I'll get Alec like one day. Ominous.
1: <laughs> one sounded, day. <laughs> sounded ominous. I'm not sure if I want to be I have got.
2: A, I have a space on my wall for mounted heads. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you all, sir. I'll have
1: you all. Speaking of mounted heads, how can people follow you on the internet, Alec? Oh boy, what a lead-in! Uh, well, I, if you go to uh, if you go to mountedheadrepository.com, oh, no. do su- not, go suppos- to that. not yeah. suppository. <laughs> it's very difficult to insert a suppository into a mounted head, but you can try. Oh, anyway, um, anyway, so yeah, on on the social medias, I'm Alec underscore Plowman on Twitter. That's where you can tweet at me. Tweet at me bro um so yeah do that i'm alec plowman on alecplowman.com on the interwebs um i do a music thing in a band what with jack in it so yep. monstercityband.com yeah heavy metal stuff
2: they're good i approve of them i've seen them live many times
0: do you have thank you no top hats though Matthew.
2: well fuck you
0: yeah speaking of top hats how can people follow you on the internet tim
3: Um, It is my favoured Monopoly piece. Oh! Me too.
0: Yeah, I'm a a little Scotty dog, personally. Iron. (laughs) (laughs) That explains a lot. Yeah. Is that like a weird personality test where you do like, what Monopoly piece It's either the hat
2: or the battleship for me, so...
0: Don't never trust a thimble. Nobody. No, thimble people are weird. Yeah, thimble thimbles are fucking weird.
2: Top top hat or race
3: car because it's a palindrome. Oh. Uh,
0: Um, Don't like it because it's cool and you're just racing. And like, I like it because it's a palindrome. Exactly. (laughs) It's the nerdiest reason to like a car in the world. (laughs) It is a palindrome. (laughs) 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 Welcome, welcome to the English language.
1: You are Welsh, but I don't think oh, you speak Welsh. So there's no excuse. That's clever, that is. Anyway. <laughs>
3: um, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, trivia underscore lad. Um, I that's not throw a palindrome, up, unfortunately. Uh, not a palindrome, unfortunately. I throw up links to anything that I've been doing that's interesting, whether it's starring in Matt... Well, I say starring. Being in Matt's you're web one series. One main, you're absolutely Star, starring, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or uh, writing about comics or various other things for various people. Um, and, yeah. Jack. Where can we follow you?
0: I'm JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram. Probably not Bebo anymore. I don't think that's <laughs> a thing. Is that a thing? Uh, you on Habo Hotel. Oh, Habo Hotel. Like The Sims, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a comic book writer. I'm a musician with Alec Plowman in the band Monster City, as mentioned. Uh, yeah, we, I do stuff on the internet. Occasionally for money Rarely for money Unfortunately uh, yeah. And uh, you can find I do on stuff <laughs> on the internet For money
2: It's not inaccurate But yeah. it's funny sounds. it's, it's like, Rarely
0: for money It's like Fiverr But filth Yeah <laughs> filth. We, we should get on Fiverr And just,
1: just Have some fun what, We'll know? we'll sequelise Your terrible sequel For Vive
2: Someone's gonna ask to their kids It's gonna be really awkward <laughs> uh, What's the name of the comic That you uh, recently wrote? Uh, I think people can buy on fucking
0: Amazon. Um, it's a comic book about D-Day. It's published by Osprey Publishing, a subsidiary of Bloomsbury. And yeah, you can buy it on Amazon, US store, UK store. I assume Amazon France, the one that leaks all the video game information. <laughs> I've never Amazon France is only ever mentioned when it's like, oh, the new Tomb Raider's is coming out. Amazon France told us. Like, <laughs> yeah. I assume you can get it on other. It's Bloomsbury. They have. Far-Reaching Tentacles, and yeah, I wrote a 320-ish page graphic novel about D-Day. Which is It's cool. a barrel of laughs, as you can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, go and check that out if you want to. Um, I've published a couple of other things, a couple of anthologies. If you want to check them out, go to my Twitter and follow the links. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash throw some money in a Fiverr-ish kind of way, but in a less, like, weird, CD filthy <laughs> than Fiverr, because Fiverr feels a bit weird. feels a bit grubby. It's Patreon so feels a bit more official and a bit more mm. appropriate. So, uh, yeah, if you want to enjoy exclusive content and cool little additions to the show, like Tim's X-Men script and various other things, as well as Patreon, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Of course, it is just sequelizers nice and easy all the E's no Z's don't fucking come at us with weird spellings because we've had years of this shit already and mm. I've had
2: enough we're veterans now
0: exactly if you want to send a longer message that doesn't quite fit in a tweet or anything like that you can email us sequalizers at gmail.com as well and that pretty much wraps us up for this episode would you agree gentlemen <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> bloody hell